that's always better anyway, you know. So um, this is what the Lord has put on my heart. And uh, so we're just going to go with it. You know, Friday nights, Keith has been teaching on abounding ability here. You know, and, and he teaches the Word a lot. And he tells you line upon line upon line upon line about how to make things happen in your life. And he gives you every scripture that you could ever dream of that applies to the subject. And then some you never thought of. Right? Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, to me, he is a teacher's teacher, and he can do that, you know. And he'll come up with these thoughts, and I'll ask him a question. You know, I know Friday night, there was just this thing that just kept rolling over and over in my mind. Well, it, it's been going on for weeks now, and, and I, 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 said, I, I said, I'm just so confused about it. He said, there's your problem. You just keep saying that. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> You know, and so we we text back and forth, and he says, "No, think this, and 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 then look at this scripture, and then look at it." And so Friday night, he says, "Did you get clear on that?" And I'm like, "No." So we're on the phone for an hour and a half talking about it, you know. And so uh, he can tell me everything I need to know, but to me, that's all good and great, and it really is. But I want to know where the rubber meets the road. Okay, I want to know that when you get all those scriptures jumbled up in your head and they're all mixed up and they make some kind of like mixed up soup, how do you make it work? How do you make it work? Because I'm a make it work person. And, you know, he's been talking about abounding ability. And if I've learned one thing in the ministry or in life, everything boils down to one thing. M-O-N-E-Y. There's one thing you don't mess with in people's lives. Well, maybe two. Their money and their kids. You don't mess with that. You don't mess with... You know, I was studying... I've been studying about the marriage meeting. And I thought, God, how can we make marriages stay together today? You know, there's such a draw on everything. You know, there's just everything. And, you know, I think natural a lot of times, you know. I don't just always just go like Keith and and find every scripture... So this is what I thought. Okay, you want to know? Okay. I thought this. I thought, okay, if you could do this, this is not part of the marriage meeting, but you want to know. If you could tell somebody, all right, I will give you a billion dollars if you will marry this person and you will stay with them for 70 plus years No matter what comes or what goes, if you have a fight, if you like them, if you don't, if they look at somebody else or if they don't, if you enjoy what they say or you don't enjoy what they say, but at the end of that 70 years, you will get one billion dollars. I bet you we'd have more marriages stay together. (laughs) 
Well, but maybe the 70 years might be a little long. If you told them if you'd stay together 15 years and I'll give you a million dollars, you'd have a lot more takers. Because people will put up with a lot of stuff for a million dollars. You know it? That's not my subject. But anyway, in all the years that Keith and I have been together, you know, we have been very, very, very privileged to be around, to me, one of the greatest faith teachers that there ever was. And to spend enormous amounts of time with him. You know, I mean, he learned about faith by living faith. He didn't just learn about faith by hearing somebody talk about it and not having to put it to practice in his life. You know, Keith learned how to fly. But when he learned how to fly, a lot of flying schools today, they learn how to fly by spending hours and hours and hours in the classroom. And then after, you know, somebody in here may have done it the way I'm talking about and you might can help me. After like six months, a year, they finally let you get in the cockpit of an airplane. Well, the day that Keith started flying, he went out to the airport, and I didn't even know he was going to do this. And he went out to the airport, and he hooked up with this guy, and he calls me, and I'm in a different state, and he calls me, and he says, Phil, guess what I did today? And I said, what? He said, I started taking flying lessons, and I landed the airplane. And I said, what? You did what? Well, that's the way that I like to learn. I like to be hands-on with what I'm doing. I like to learn it that way. Because to me, if you can't get results by something that you hear or you see in the Word, then it's of no use to you. And for, for year after year after year, we were around Brother Hagen, and he taught faith. And you do know that the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please your pastor. Your mother, your brother, your sister. It's impossible to please God without faith. God. And that is who we're trying to please, right? We're not trying to impress the person sitting next to us. We're not trying to impress our neighbors. We're not trying to impress this one or that one. We're trying to please God. Right? So, through the years that Keith and I started in the ministry, we didn't know nothing about nothing. We, I grew up, as most of you already know, Catholic. Now, how many of you in here that grew up Catholic knew about faith? How many of you that grew up Catholic ever heard the word faith? How many of you, when you first heard the word faith, wanted to run? Because you thought it was a cult? Uh-huh, yeah. Well, that was me. And so, when you hear those things, you think, hmm, that's weird. So, what you want to do is you want to test it. And see, does it work? And you want to see and you want to stand around and watch and look. 
and see are these people flaky or are they not flaky? How many of you did that? You kind of looked and you stood far off and you, and you saw what they did and what they said. Right? Well, we had the privilege through the years. God supernaturally did some things for us and got us out to, to Ramah. And when he did, he just immediately just dumped us in the deep end. Keith started going to school. He got hooked in with prayer school and healing school. He got hooked in with Brother Hagen just almost right away. And, I mean, he dunked us in just like poured us. If you've ever seen a kid that somebody just throws into the deep end of the swimming pool to see if they can swim, <laughs> that's what happened to me. Because Keith had grown up in denominations all of his life to where he, he knew enough about the Word. I had never even heard the story of Samson and Delilah. I'd never even heard the story of Jonah and the whale. How many Catholics know what I'm talking about? You'd never heard those stories. You'd never heard the stories of Daniel in the lion's den. You'd never heard stories like that. So when we got to Ramah, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know anything. And so here we are around all these people. Well, God gave us the privilege during those times to begin to know people. And we begin to meet people of all calibers of life. We begin to meet people that were movie stars. We met Donna Douglas. We met, uh, I, I don't want to call names because it makes you think of the person. And it, so, but we met a lot of people with a lot of money. We would go into homes that in today's vernacular would look more like castles. We met a lot, a lot, a lot of people with means that could pay a lot of things and flew big airplanes. We met a lot, a lot of people that could do, they could buy you anything that you could dream of or think of. But we also met a lot of people that didn't have anything. And we knew a lot of people that didn't have anything. All we had to do was go home and look in the mirror. <laughs> and we fellowshiped with these people just exactly like we were at their level. And what it would do is it would all the time make you go back to your place and feel condemned. Because maybe you don't have the faith. Maybe you're not good enough. Maybe you don't know God enough. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you're not God's favorite like I am. <laughs> With all these people. Well, it took me a few years. Say a few years. A few years. Being around people 
when we first got around that stuff, to begin to see past the exterior of things. Past what people want you to see. Past the big houses and the fancy cars and the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys. And what you might see is that one out of every 50 could actually afford it. And the rest of them were in debt up above their eyeballs. And their lives were in shambles. When you got to know them, then they'd realize you knew a little bit about the Word. Or Keith did, actually. So they'd call us in the middle of the night. Help me, I'm ready to commit suicide. Help me, my marriage is falling apart. Help me, this is happening. Help me, this is happening. So you begin to see, well, maybe everything in all it's cracked up to be. So it makes you begin to wonder, is this faith stuff real? Does it really work? And you see people, year after year after year after year after year, come and sit on the front row. And they bring their Bibles. And they quote the faith stuff. And they say the faith stuff. And they know all the right words to say. And they lose their house. And you say, I know they love God. They're there at church every Sunday. And they serve. And they get sing in the choir. Why are they losing their house? Did God let them down? Has God ever let anybody in their lifetime down? So where's the problem? Why do people quit God? Why do people hop from church to church to church to church to church to church to church? Why do people get mad at their pastors? Because things are not happening in their lives like they're supposed to be or like they think they should be or like they were told that they would. You know me, I'm real. If God said he'll supply all your needs, then why aren't all your needs being supplied? If God said you would be healed, why aren't you healed? If God said you'd be prosperous, why aren't you prosperous? I like answers. And these words that are in that book 
You can hear them night and day, and you can play them night and day, and you can come to church Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And you could get in a meeting that went on for four years every day and still be broke. But do you know who gets the help? The people that put the word to work in their life. The people that actually do what God tells them to do in their life. The people that actually, if God says, give this away, do this, go here, go there, they actually do what he says do. It doesn't matter. You may have the biggest Bible in the whole world that you can tote under your arm everywhere you go and you can quote every scripture that's in it about finances. But if God looks at you and he says, Mike, take off your shirt and give it to this man and you don't do it, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Let's look at a few things, and I think it'll help you. Hebrews 11.1 says this. You don't even have to get your Bibles, because you know me. I'm going to go real quick over a couple of these things, then we're going to talk. I'm going to tell you a few stories. Hebrews 11.1 says, in the Living Bible, it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want. You ever wanted anything? That something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. It's the confident assurance that what we want is going to happen. Anybody ever had that? Confident assurance of what you want is going to happen. Now, this next thing, if you don't get anything else that I say this morning, note it. You might want to get your Bible out for this one and mark it down because it's kind of important. Mark eleven twenty two. It's kind of real important, this one thought. It said, Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in... Have faith in... Have faith in... Have faith in... Wait a minute. Let's say it one more time. Have faith in... Who? Have faith in Keith, Phyllis, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, Brother Copeland, Brother Savell. Who do we have faith in? We can only completely have faith in God. 
And that's where people are messing up. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to hear what every person in the world is saying, and that's good. But refusing to hear what God's saying. You can only have faith in God. Now, I'm going to tell you a few stories because I think faith is a totally misunderstood subject. I think people use faith like they do when you lay in your bed at night and you look out the window and you see the first star and you wish upon a star. They release their faith like they're hoping it's going to come to pass, like they're, they're wishing upon a star. And they wait to see if it's going to happen just like a kid would wish upon a star. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's not how faith works. Faith works when you confidently expect what you pray for is going to happen. And you shouldn't ask for it until you know that you confidently expect it to happen. Now, I'll begin to tell you some stories. Keith and I met when we were 14 years old. Now, that's young. And it was a miracle. Because who would have known that we would be together today? But we met... And we got married, and we did not have one dime to buy anything to live in. We didn't have money to do anything. We bought a trailer. I didn't even pick it out. Keith picked it out. God, help us. (laughs) Let me describe it. It was white and burgundy on the outside. And when you walked in the door, it had linoleum, I think linoleum, plastic of some sort, whatever, as you walk in. Then you turn to the right. And it had this partition sort of thing that you stepped up on a step up to separate the living room from what you would consider to be the dining room, because when you walked in, there was a dining room table there. And you turned to the right, and it had this partition with these, what do you call spindles? Dowels, yes, thank you. Dowels painted black with bright, let's see if I can find somebody with the color red, because I know people have always, somebody with a red top stand up, bright red. I mean, bright, bright, bright red. It's even redder than, oh, no, that wouldn't do it. That's burgundy. I mean, no, it's redder than that. I mean, it that's getting close. I mean, bright red carpet. Oh, yes. Bright red carpet. And the curtains were this lovely pattern of... Um, 
red with a velour pattern design in black on them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then it had this kind of bay-looking window in it with the curtains there. Then you go down the hall, and it had this little bedroom that was so close together that when you made the bed, you had to suck your belly in to get around it like this. I am not kidding you. That was the guest bedroom. And it shared one bathroom that you went through and you leaned up against the wall to go through to the bathroom. And then when you got in the bathroom, it got so cold in Mississippi that in the wintertime, the toilet water froze. Then we had the master bedroom with the built-in drawers. And the bed had just enough room to walk around it full body that you could not kneel down on the side. The reason that I know is because I had to get set free over a healing, if any of you know the story about my finger. You couldn't kneel down. Your feet, literally, you had to turn sideways to kneel because your feet would hit the wall. Now, that was our first home. And we had payments on it. Now, when people think about faith, they think about believing God for millions to do a word production center. Huh? They think about Keith standing up here talking about airplanes and millions to do buildings and churches. Do you know the very first Christmas present that I bought for Keith when we were married was a tool set from Sears. It was a gray toolbox. It was about this big. I opened a charge account. The tool set cost $99. I paid $12 a month for 46 years. (laughs) It's the truth. Maybe not the 46 years. But that's how Keith and Phyllis Moore got started. We didn't have some great big wedding because we could not afford a great big wedding. His parents didn't have it. My parents didn't have it. He didn't have a telephone till after we were married. His parents didn't. We left to go to Bible school with a pickup truck and a Vega that the engine blew up in. And I cried for three days before we got registered. Why? Because we had no place to live and we were sleeping in the car. 
and we had no food. And every place that we went to try to find a place to live was $500 a month probably furnished. We didn't have $200. And we were spending it on $10 to eat lunch. But all people here today is churches, big buildings, big airplanes. But how do you get from not having enough money to buy lunch to believing for a building, believing for an airplane? Mark says, God will confirm his word. If he's not confirming his word, then you're not doing what God said. It's real simple. But what people don't understand is they're trying to go from not having anything to believing for millions. And it'll never work. So we got to Rama. I got a job. Actually had the job before I got there, but the Lord helped me, and I got a job. Do you know what brought us the very first step into being able to believe God for anything? We had, I had a mother-in-law that grew a garden every year. I mean, she grew a big garden. And Keith's grandfather. And what they would do was, we'd make a special trip in on the weekends. And we'd go home, and we would gather up in ice chest all the food we could handle. And we would put it in our freezer. And that's what we would eat. But you know the funny thing? Nobody else at Rama had food either. How many Rama graduates do we have in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Tell me something. Keep your hand up for just a minute. Now, take your hand down if you had an excess of food to eat when you were at Rama. That's just what I thought. That is where you learned how to live by faith. You learned. So we began to realize we got to sow. They keep saying sow. We didn't have any money to go buy somebody food or take them out to eat a meal. And this is where people fall every single day. It's a little word. It's about this long. And it starts with a P. Anybody got a clue? P-R. And it ends with an E. It's called pride. 
People will not start where they are. They want to get way up here, but they won't start where they are. So what we began doing was inviting other students over to eat meals that we cooked. That's all the money that we had. We had no money. Zero dollars. Zero times zero is zero. zero. Keith established that in his abounding ability, right? Now, I'm telling you how he found that out. (laughs) Now, you know, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. He found out that zero times zero is zero. Because he had zero. So we had to start somewhere. So we had some vegetables. So we started cooking for everybody that we could cook for. We had some Canadians. Do we got any Canadians in here this morning? Okay, you you might enjoy this. We had some Canadians and we had some purple hull peas. Does anybody know what purple hull peas are? Yes, see, I'm telling stories people are going to want. What is that, woman? And we cooked some purple hull peas with ham hocks in them. I did. Not we, I did. And those Canadians came in, and they fixed their plate. And they put three or four little peas on their plate. They had never seen these before in their life. They went around the table, and they got those, and they got some butter beans, and they got some corn, about this much of each. And they tasted them. And the next thing we know, they're back up again. And they're back up again. And they're back up again. And then they're asking Keith, when can we do this again? (laughs) Because it's real food. But do you know, that is what started us on a course of sowing. We didn't have food a lot of times. When we would run out of those vegetables, I can remember a time when all we had in the refrigerator was a dried-up carrot and an onion. Now, what kind of meal can you make out of that? But you know what we could do? Is start using that word called faith. And God had privileged me to get a job at a place where I could use that faith. And it was at a doctor's office. And he said, you know what? If you'll do this, I'll give you a bonus for each one that you do. And I thought, now say that again. (laughs) He didn't know how bad off I was. And he didn't know at the time, I don't think, what a worker I was. And so I said, okay. Now, I want that in writing. (laughs) And it wasn't any time till I was getting enough money that we could eat, that we could actually buy some groceries by using faith to be able to believe for that to happen. But we had also sown food. So then I had a right to believe for my faith to work. For money to buy groceries. But if you would have known... See, we moved from our our wonderful trailer 
and we got this beautiful apartment. It was this glorious place. And this apartment was in a part of town that Keith called Shoot 'em Up Alley. Because if you went out the front door, on the right side, we had a motorcycle gang. And not your current motorcycle gangs where everybody today has a motorcycle. It was a real motorcycle gang. And on the left side, we had a school of metaphysics. Yes, we did. And the building was built in 1901, I think. And the plumbing didn't work, and the air didn't work, and nothing really worked. But it was a place to live. And my sofa was held up by cans, and I had an old quilt thrown over it so that you didn't have to see what this actual sofa looked like because no telling who was on it doing what. It was beautiful. I was thankful to get it after sleeping in the car for days. But we had this apartment, and it was a shotgun apartment, and you could see from the front all the way to the back. And the reason he called it Shoot 'em Up Alley is because one night we came out and we got ready to go to church, and the SWAT team was out there saying, Go back inside, go back inside. And the girl across the street had had something happen with the motorcycle gang and somebody got shot and who knows. And then the next couple of nights we came in and there was this guy that lived in the building and he thought he was um, what's those, one of those old-timey uh, cop shows and he pops out in the hall with his pistol pointed at us and said, Who are you? You know, <laughs> we live here. <laughs> we see you every day. <laughs> well, that's what drugs will do to your head after a while. <laughs> So, but that's where we lived. But you know what? You look back on it and you thank God for those times. Because it is in those times that we learn to believe God for those meals and bringing people in to eat those meals that we learn the steps that you have to take. Because faith grows. It doesn't take giant leaping bounds from having nothing to being believing for airplanes and believing for buildings or believing if you can't believe for a headache to go away what's going to happen when you have to believe for cancer to go away you don't want to find out that way you want to start every time you go for that Tylenol bottle to say or the Advil bottle or the whatever bottle you take to say, I'm not taking that today. And start talking to that headache. Be bold as a lion to talk to it. Because nobody wants to say, how many of you that ever know somebody that was attacked with cancer knew they were going to be attacked with cancer? They knew it ahead of time. Duh. No. 
But ensure is a good thing if you have prepared and built your faith day after day, year after year, time after time, hearing the Word, and you're growing in faith to where that you know that you could stand against something if it came. Instead of just some big attack piling up on top of you and you not being ready for it. You take steps. Do you remember the story that Jesus told about um, the grass of the field? You can have little faith. Do you remember the story he told about the uh, when he came out on the water and, he, and the storm was raging and they were in the boat? He told them, oh, you of little faith. So you can have little faith. But there's nothing wrong with having little faith. The only problem with having little faith is if you keep little faith. And you don't try to make your faith grow any by doing anything that the Lord tells you to do. I know Keith and I started out, and you've heard him tell the story, about sowing $5. And it wasn't about the $5. It's the heart of what you do with the $5. It's your heart. You must get a heart for caring that somebody else is being helped more than you're desiring to get the money returned on that $5. And if you don't ever get a heart that you're helping somebody more than you're going to be concerned about your meal being on your table then you're never going to get the return on it. You have to get to a point to where when you see somebody in the grocery store line, just the other day, I didn't know this. Somebody who was with me standing there when they said it, uh, one of the guys may have been standing there, that they'd come in contact with somebody that they'd met in Tulsa. I think it was Tulsa. And it said that they knew me years ago. And this just popped into my mind and I don't and I'm sure we didn't have the money is why it's popping into my mind now and he was in the grocery store and he said he remembered me because of this he got up to the register and he didn't have the money to pay for his groceries he was way over and I walked over there and I paid for him why would you do that Because you've been there. You've been there where you were in a grocery store line and you didn't have the money or you were embarrassed or you didn't have it to pay for yours and you care about somebody else more than you do your own self. Maybe you don't get to have a few extra Cokes this week. But you've got to get to a point in your life where you may wear the same outfit for a few months. But you care that somebody else looks good this week for marriage meeting. That's how faith starts working, is when you start thinking outside of yourself more than your own self. When when we started in these things, it's like what I said about uh, food. We didn't have food to go out and give somebody cash and say, okay, go, go to a nice restaurant and eat. 
We didn't have money to go and buy somebody clothes. So what did we do? We cleaned out our closet. And we gave it. You might say, well, that's embarrassing to give somebody your old clothes. There is always someone that is less fortunate than you are that can use something that you've got. Always. There is always someone that would be glad to have a shirt that you've got. You don't sow junk unless you want to reap junk, but it may be your best junk, if you know what I'm talking about. But you got to start where you are. If you don't start where you are, you're never going to get better. If you don't start with the two... Where did the woman with the two mites start? She started with what she had. Did she care if anybody saw her? She started where she was. And if we don't start where we are, we're going to stay where we are. We're going to stay exactly where we are. Some of the people that I was telling you about at the very front of this that had all the nice things. When we first got into the Word way back 30-something years ago, don't have all the nice things anymore. It matters what your foundation is. And some people may think you're going really, really, really slow. They may even rib you about it. They may even say... You've been in that church five years. You can't even believe for a better house than that? Say, you know what? My foundation, deep. You know what happens when you get a deep foundation? You get big and wide. And you ain't going to fall when the winds come and when the rains come and when the storms come when everybody else around you is crumbling you're still standing when everybody else is closing their doors you're still firm because you didn't listen to everybody around you trying to make you feel bad because you weren't where they thought you ought to be Who is the only one that matters? God. Are you where He thinks you need to be? Are you doing what He told you to do? Are you accomplishing what He asked you to do? When you do that, you're going to come out way ahead of everybody else that it appears that they're growing faster than you. Appearances are deceptive. You ever notice that? Appearances can look one way, and when you turn your head and look back again, it's totally different than what it was. The repo company came and got that car. 
the bank came and took that house. That man came and got that woman from that man. See how quiet it got? Just because you was holding your hand, it didn't make any difference. Appearances are deceptive. I like real, real faith in a real God that gives real answers. And if you do what he says do, you will get every answer that he tells you that you're supposed to have. But don't try and pretend that you're someplace that you're not. Instead of you eating out, say, you know what? I think they need a new outfit this week. So, you know, the most precious thing that you've got is your seed. The first probably ten years of our life in ministry... Man, we sewed every place we could find a place to sew. I can't remember going buying new clothes. I remember getting receiving a lot of new clothes, but I don't remember going shopping for me. Keith will tell, he'll stand up here and tell you the same thing. I remember one day I cleaned out my closet. I mean, I went in there and I cleaned out every pair of shoes I had. Wasn't fancy. Every outfit I had, every shirt I had, every pair of pants I had, I bundled it up. I took it. I made it. I washed it. I ironed it. I made it look as good as I possibly could, and I gave every bit of it away. And everybody started coming to Keith. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? He said, "I ain't her source." And I'm so glad he wasn't, cause he was broke. It's the truth. I had a bigger source than him. But do you know what happened by the end of the week? A lady comes in to the office where I was working. And she brings in, I kid you not, thousands of dollars worth of clothes with the tags still on them just exactly my size a week before one of the seminars at Rama for me to wear you know what I learned faith in God works sowing and reaping works and I was hooked. And you, would, you could never change my mind after that. I don't care what other people believe. I don't care how other people live. I don't care. I lived the other way without faith before. And nothing just fell on me. Did it fall on any of you? It doesn't just fall on you. It takes you doing what God says for you to do in order to make it work. If he says give here, you give there. If he says give them some lunch money, then you give them some lunch money. If he says take them to dinner, then you take them to dinner. When you do what he says do, then you get the results that he says you get. And that's how faith works. 
It's not complicated. And he's not going to make you do things that he doesn't know that you can't do. He's going to stretch you. Because he knows what you know. But if you do it exactly the way he says do it, you will get the exact result he said that you would get. And you will never be made embarrassed. You'll never be made look ashamed. People look at people like Gloria Copeland, Kenneth Copeland, and they hear all the stories about them and all the wonderful things they have and how massive their ministry is and the jet airplanes that they have and the big house that they have and all the nice things that they have. Do you know how Gloria Copeland and Kenneth Copeland started out? I know. Some of their very first meals were her going dig up potatoes in a garden and boiling them in one of those little silver coffee pots that they took the guts out of it and put some water in it and didn't even have salt to put on the potatoes. Now, does that sound like them today? Living a debt-free life? Everything they have paid for? Jet airplanes? Millions of dollar buildings? and Well, how did they get there? They started little. Do you remember the man that the centurion servant brought said, my um, son is at home? He said, you don't have to go to my house? Just say the word only and my son will be healed? What did Jesus reply? I hadn't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. This man has what? Great faith. So you can go from little faith to great faith. Great faith. And it's possible to do. But you have to start where you are. Oral Roberts stood out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you've never been there, it's a beautiful place. Stood out on some land in a pasture. Nothing there. And God says, build me a university. The man had TB and almost died. Had nothing. Had to believe God to live. And look at what God brought him to. How many lives he affected. Did he start there? Or did he end there? People are looking at the end result and trying to start with the end result instead of starting with the starting point. And you can't do it. Brother Hagen and Miss Aretha, where we learned faith from, 
They pronounced him dead, was burying him in the backyard in a shoebox. And he had to believe God to live. Some of you should read his book sometime. But when they got married, they had money enough. This is how much money they had to buy one candy bar between them and split it. And they ate on apple crates at an old, uh, I don't even know how, what they're called. Some of you might, you know, wire, those wooden wire things that you used to have in olden days. Spool things. What, spool, what is it called? Cable spool, yeah. Yeah, cable spool things. And sat on apple crates. And ate off of chipped plates. It almost sounds like a storybook, doesn't it? Like something you'd see in a children's book. That's how they started. Is that how they ended? They ended quite different than that. With a school and airplanes reaching billions around the world. But what if they hadn't started there? They'd have still been there. We must start with a right heart where God puts us. And we can't be ashamed of what we have. We have to start with what we have, willing to do with whatever God says to with it, with whoever He says to with it, and then we can grow. What about the widow woman? And we'll close with this. Do you remember her? Elisha went to her house and he says, What do you got in your house? And she said, All I got some oil. What did he tell her to do? Get you some pots. Two different stories. Gather you up some pots. Get all the pots that you can get. Get pots, get pots. Go to your neighbors and get pots. Then shut yourself up in that house and start pouring that oil. And she poured and she poured and she poured and she poured. And like he says, she'd tell her son, Grab me another pot, son. He'd stick another pot under there. She didn't want to raise the barrel up, Keith says, because she's afraid he'd stop. (laughs) So she'd say, just stick another one under there, son. And the oil kept pouring, and it kept pouring, and it kept pouring until they ran out of pots. But he told her, what do you have? What do you have? No matter what level you are, no matter where you are, you can grow stagnant. I don't care if you've been in ministry a week or you've been around the things of God a month or a year or five years or 10 years or 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. You can always go back to being selfish. 
And you have to stir yourself up and say, I'm thinking about me again. i got to start thinking about other people. And the minute that you do that and you start focusing on, okay, I've had this in my closet for two years and I've not worn it. It's time to give it to somebody. Maybe you don't have the money to go buy stuff. Or I've got this 50 in my billfold here. It's been in here for two weeks. Two weeks is a long time. Here. I can tell you that I, I don't know how many times somebody hands me 100 in church and before I get out the door, I've handed it to somebody else. We have to begin thinking about what we have and the other person. And the more you do that, the faster you're going to grow. Now, if you want to stay there longer, move slower. It's your call. However long you want to stay where you are is how slow a pace. It's like, you know, when I was in school, we had this thing called the lap system. You know, and you went at your own pace. You read the books as fast or as slow as you wanted to. You did the lessons as fast or as slow as you wanted to. And you finished as fast or as slow as you wanted to. Well, that's where you are. You're kind of on the lap system. If you want to grow and be better financially or healed faster or whatever, it's totally up to you. God puts you on your own pace. You can do it at your own level. You can do it in your own time. It's up to you. But however long you keep that 20 in your billfold, if he says give it away, is however long you're going to stay on the level that you're on. Or however long you don't invite those people over to dinner because you're embarrassed about how your house looks, is the level you're going to stay on. Your faith can grow. It can change. It can get great faith. Or it can stay OU of little faith. It's totally your call. I want mine to get great faith. And I never want to think just about what I need or what I want and become totally selfish about the things that surround me. I want to think about what they need or what they want and be able to help the people around. You may only have a half a box of detergent. Well, they may need a half a box of detergent. The Word works, but it's how willing we are to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. Start where you are or stay where you are. Not so profound, but very true. Amen? Y'all got something you can sing? Into your kingdom. Oh, 
takes me. I won't stop, I'll do it some more. Cause I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the word of God. I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the word of God. I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the word of God. I'm a doer, I'm a doer of the word of God. Glory to God. That was an encouragement.